Hello, Lisa. Normally on a bright Saturday like this one, we would get together at your place or mine and set an iPhone in a mug and get down to recording. But this week, you are far away on a trip and I'm here in San Francisco. And so I get to welcome everybody to Should We? A Podcast with Potential. This is episode 10, which feels like a big milestone. It's actually episode 11 if you count episode 0, but who's counting? Um, And the question I'm interested in today is, should we seek perfection? So in thinking about this question, I came up with two different ways to phrase it, and I was turning them over in my mind, trying to figure out which sounded best. Uh, But then I realized that, in fact, there are three quite different questions. So should we seek perfection is one. Um, The other is should we be perfectionists? And the third is should we optimize? And the answer to all three of them The answer that I have to give without really being intentional about it is I do, like I do seek perfection and I do optimize and I have historically at times identified as a perfectionist, but I haven't always been happy about that. It seems that something is lost when perfection and some rigid notion of perfection is the goal. And so not only have I spent a lot of time being that way and feeling that way, but I've also spent a lot of time and energy trying to combat it. And that's why it's an interesting question for me, like what are the pros and cons, the costs and benefits, the trade-offs of seeking perfection? So perfection is a very slippery concept, as rigid as it seems and sounds. you know, that's why I feel attracted to the idea of optimization, which has its own problems, but like optimization to me opens up the question first of what is optimal, you know, what what is the framework for this specific decision or this specific journey? And let's talk about that and not make assumptions and make it explicit and then work toward it. And So optimization as a problem feels a lot less, uh, a lot less predetermined than perfection. Perfection, I associate more with the idea that there are no flaws, you know, it's the absence of flaws, which is very hard to bring about. Uh, That is why it's a fool's errand in some way and destined to lead to frustration and dissatisfaction. But as much as I'm ready to discard the idea of perfection, I want to be ready for that and I push myself to set it aside. I was thinking about our jobs as writers and product managers and de facto designers of words and flows and interactions. And there, Being extremely detail-oriented is a big part of why we are good at what we do. And detail-oriented is yet another flavor of this question, like, should we be detail-oriented? Hmm, well, that I have a much stronger positive reaction to. I actually have not interrogated detail-orientation and 
tried to talk myself out of it as much as I have perfectionism. And so my bodily reaction to detail orientation is like, yes, of course, all good people are detail oriented. <laughs> like I assign it, you know, a moral value in a way that perfection, I have a much greater sense of the downsides and the perils. Diana, I'm over perfection, over it. Um, we have a, a Slack channel that is uh, hashtag over it. And I would really like to put perfection in that channel. I feel like I'm being very provocative here, <laughs> considering, you know, as you say, our our work really, really requires so much attention to detail. Of course, details matter a lot. Um, and I, you know, I'm, we're very much on the same page. We've both been perfectionists at various points in our lives, and we've, we've thought a lot about it. Um, but I really, I would love to let it go uh, in a lot of ways. I think maybe this is part of my kind of being ready to reach my spiritual middle age and kind of turn back and invite more play into my perspective. Um, but as you were talking, it reminded me of a few different uh, books and things we've talked about. So so one is this book called The Perfectly Imperfect Home, which a friend gave me as a gift for my birthday. Um, I think it was as I was finishing grad school. So it was the first time I felt like I was about to really try and nest, make a home that I that I was proud of and this book was <laughs> the perfect thing for someone to give to me and it really changed my perspective about my physical environment and I really started to see how perfectly imperfect could actually be better than perfect. That having the sense that a place is lived in, that it's made up of of things that have meaning rather than things that are perfect, it can actually feel really good. Then I was thinking about a book you've read and I haven't, which is Better Than Before by Gretchen Rubin. I love that you read so many great books and tell me about them and sometimes it means I can just learn from them really fast without reading them. <laughs> but you you've talked about this concept of like kind of getting past the idea of perfect from now on and uh flipping that to to the perspective of of being better than before. So, anyways, the other thing I was thinking about as you were talking, I mean, I was thinking about perfection in terms of ourselves, which I'm definitely over. Uh, and then I was also thinking about perfection in terms of the things we make. And there's something else I learned about, but I won't be able to place it. Um, but at some point, 
maybe in an art history class, I learned about a tradition in some culture um, where um, artwork or decorative items would be broken in some way, in some like very, very subtle way, so as not to offend the gods. Like, nothing should be too perfect. Um, that would actually kind of be a bad thing. And, and I actually really love that idea. Um, and basically, uh, I also just wrote down a bunch of questions. One is, is perfection overrated? Um, does perfection, however it's being applied, spark joy? <laughs> Um, is the thing that we're trying to make perfect interesting or special? Like, I don't know. Just, I'm, I'm thinking about when does perfection matter and when does it not? I'm also thinking about, uh, you were talking about optimization. And, uh, optimization feels sometimes like a scary word to me. Um, and I, sometimes I get nervous about optimization being at odds with innovation. So I like optimization when uh, a solution has been found or when something is right, it's on the right track and it just like, it needs some tweaks and then it's going to be like really good. Um, but I don't like it at, you know, beginnings or, like, messy transition moments. Uh, so that is just a big mess of thoughts trying to challenge and unravel perfection. Um, I'm not sure whether you'll want to say more about perfection, uh, but I did just want to leave you with another question that I would love to talk about with you. Should we take vacations? Hello, Lisa. Uh, every time we do one of these voice note episodes, I end up with more things to say than can possibly fit into half an hour. Uh, it's It's really, it's really... It makes me wish we were here together. Um, I guess it's because normally when we record an episode, we actually talk for about three hours, only 30 minutes of which we record, so there's a lot more room to cover a lot of topics. Um, so uh, as I was taking notes on your section, it all got all messed up because I kept like uh, taking notes on things that I thought of uh, in response to your points, then you would bring them up as well, and so it got very, very muddled. One of those things was wabi-sabi, which it, I believe is the art history thing um, you were referring to, where it's uh, art objects and household objects that are purposely, um, purposefully a little bit broken, so as not to offend the, the gods. And like that rose into my mind, it surged into my mind, and then you brought it up too. So, I mean. <sighs> so many, so many things like splintering the idea of perfection into many, many different 
adjectives and verbs uh, is starting to feel correct. Like perfection, I'm definitely over. I see no good in it. Detail orientation, I think, has more costs than I normally acknowledge because not everything is equally important. Um, but a mode of caring more than is strictly necessary, I still assign some moral value to. Um, thoughtful, I enjoy, like uh, outcomes where a lot of thought has been applied to every aspect of them. But again, like not every aspect of everything in life deserves the same amount of thought. Um, idealistic as an alternative to optimization, um, idealism being the, the optimism of thinking things should be wonderful uh, almost abstractly rather than the quite mechanical the quite mechanical incremental sense of optimization, which didn't even occur to me when I first used the word. I was really thinking of that more as um, a uh, a solution orientation where by naming the problem you gain the ability to define success. But I understand the tweaking sense that you mean as well. And indeed, that's a lot of how I feel about my life right now is like perhaps um, perhaps I raced so fast to build a new life in San Francisco, which has a lot of ingredients from my old life, but I mainly started from scratch. And uh, perhaps I've raced to build that base so quickly that I'll end up hovering around a local maximum rather than, you know, exploring and playing and finding some other pocket. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I think that I'm okay being over perfection and I am just going to keep a watch on which of these other adjectives and verbs are positive or negative in the main. Um, so on the topic of should we take vacations, I have at times identified as quite a bad vacation goer. I'll, I'll joke that I'm very bad at vacations, which is, of course, like extremely uh, humble braggy in a way. Like it's as though I were in a job interview and I was asked what my my uh, I were asked what my biggest flaw was. And I said, you know, oh, like I'm just too perfectionistic. Right. Like one of those things where you actually see it as a good thing. Um, but you're claiming that you acknowledge it's bad. So with the vacations, you know, I have a hard time. I just have a hard time understanding them. You know, I'll plan it. But then my experience of being on vacation is much like my experience of being in a darkened theater watching a ballet or an orchestra performance where my mind just races a lot of the time. And once a vacuum is created... Uh, a lot of stuff rushes in. So I took a lot more vacations when I lived in Germany because you get a lot more vacation time in Europe. And I was so close to so many things that I knew I wouldn't be close to forever, like uh, Amsterdam and Croatia and um, Spain and certain types of scuba diving. And, you know, I did a lot, but and I have extremely fond memories, but there's this amazing New York Times piece about vacations that came out a few years back. We'll have to put it in the show notes that said, like, the peak and the end are the only two things you remember. So uh, first, 
of all, what that suggests is that very short vacations can serve an important function. You know, within the course of a single weekend, as long as you plan it well, you can, or don't plan it at all and just seek spontaneity, you can have a wildly high peak. And then as long as you make sure not to burn out on vacation time and, you know, invest in ending strong, then it will become this really fond memory. So that I like. I like that idea and I've tried to live by it. And it informed a lot of the vacations I took in Europe. And it's nice because now I get to look back on those indeed with extreme fondness, even though if I really go back and look at the journal entries, I spent a lot of the time that I was away from home fretting. Um, so I like that idea, but there's another type of vacation which is just about rest, and I am not at all convinced that rest can be accomplished effectively over a long weekend. I'm not even sure rest is something you accomplish at all. <laughs> that feels like the wrong verb for it. Uh, it seeps in, and that's something that it's always been hard for me to make time for uh, because it's so boring. It's so boring to rest. and. Also, you know, vacation, should we take vacation is an interesting question because it's not should we take time off. It carries for me the implication of travel, but of course there's also the concept of a staycation and like, you know, what would be, should we take vacations, should we have adventures versus should we make a point of resting? <laughs> those are the two, those are the two splintered questions on my mind now. Diana, thank you for helping me unpack the question of vacations. Um, the thing is, you know, in, in response to the initial question, should we take vacations? Obviously, the answer is yes. Yes, especially if we're defining vacation as time off from work. Of course, we should take all of the time off from work that we have, that we can, and uh, it's important to rest, to go away and get a new perspective. The reason I bring it up, though, is because I also feel like I'm not so good at them. Um, and what I mean by that is that almost every vacation for me starts out with like a huge mess of stress. So first of all, if we're traveling, it seems like, especially if we're going by plane, uh, but kind of any way we go, I just start out feeling like I might die, <laughs> especially um, while I'm sitting on the plane and it's taking off. I'm, I'm sitting there wondering like, okay, you know, uh, I, I get so worried about about the plane crashing, um, and, I, and I'm wondering, like, is this really what I wanted to be my end? I mean, I know it's like, it's so morbid, but I think that um, it really just speaks to how hard it is for me to disentangle myself from my everyday. And that's probably because I really like my everyday, and also because it's very optimized. You know, I leave the house at 8.12 every day, and I know that my coffee is gonna be just right. 
and all of the things that at the beginning and end of the day, all of my my rituals, my bottles and potions are in their place. Um, I just, it's very predictable, and I find that having that structure, having those, those things that just happen throughout my day without me having to think about them, means that inside of those structures, I'm able to be very creative and to feel very free when my day has that kind of framework. So I think that vacations freak me out a little bit because of the unknown and because of the potential lack of structure. Um, So it usually just takes me some time, maybe a couple of days, to reset and let go of all that and kind of enjoy the newness of wherever I am. Um, and I really like that you unpacked vacations into all of these different definitions. So there is, actually, I'm speaking to you from the middle of a vacation. I am on the one that is the ruckus family sort where we're in a house together um, by the beach in Florida um, and then and I'm I'm recording from the closet which seems to have the best sound quality here um, and then there's the adventures sort of vacation which is the one that uh, my husband likes the most um, and then there's the resting sort the staycation um, for me, I, I like staycations because they feel so easy, but I don't think I actually get the best rest from those. Uh, I really sort of need to leave the premises and leave, you know, anything that could remind me of obligations or uh, things that could distract me <laughs> from the task of resting. Um, and then also weekend trips. Okay, weekend trips are my dream come true. And I did not discover them. I I didn't really appreciate the beauty of the weekend trip until I moved to California. Weekend trips are such a thing here. And I guess it's because there are so many different things to experience all within a very short drive. Um, You could, you know, take a a weekend trip and be in the mountains or be at the beach. You could be skiing. You could be in uh, Sonoma or Napa. Um, You could go to a farm or really uh, just do any beautiful thing within a couple hours drive. Um, so for me, the beauty of the weekend trip is that, you know, I don't have to let go of my weekday every day. It just fills up my weekend in a way that accomplishes all the things I want to get out of a vacation. Some rest, some pleasure, and 
also, hopefully, a new perspective. Hello, Lisa. I am far away from home and have been for a few days, and I am feeling a lot of the things that you mentioned feeling on your vacation. I feel a yearning for my routines at home. I feel gratitude for the different surprising experiences I've gotten to have while away. Um, and I feel acutely all of the ways I've designed my life. You know, when I step out of it, I realize how much of my everyday is thoughtfully designed and, as you say, optimized. And it was so funny to me that you used the word optimized to describe your mornings and your weekday life in San Francisco because earlier in this very conversation, which has granted stretched out over a few days, uh, you and I talked about perfection and optimization and how optimization seemed so incremental um, and perfection didn't feel like a good ideal either. But when you used optimize to describe your days, uh, it made me think of all of the small problems you've solved with purpose-built uh, purpose built solutions over time and how I've done the same and how my home is a collection of all of the small solutions I've designed toward specific purposes. And I love living in an environment that involves so much thought. Um, and it hasn't always been that way. You know, that's not automatically true with every environment I live in. It represents a big upfront investment. But I consider it worth it, certainly, now that I'm finally getting to experience some of the benefits of that a few months into my latest stint in San Francisco. Um, one conclusion that it seems we've both drawn from this conversation is, should we take long weekend trips? Yes, maybe not even that long, because the work week is kind of nice in its own way, and the weekend is this stolen, protected time anyway, and to uh, steal from the jaws of laziness, uh, like, and luxury, <laughs> luxurious languor, um, you know, a few days of adventure, uh, feels very tricksy in a, in a nice way, in a nice way for me. So that makes me think I should plan some more long weekends. So that's, uh, really nice to look forward to. One of the other offshoots of thinking about mornings and schedules and designed lives is, should we have routines? Should we have predictable routines? And I've been thinking a lot about that because my quest to uh, have expansive mornings continues. I've still not cracked the code. Uh, like one or two days a week, I can wake up really early. And a lot of the time lately, I devote that early morning time to work work, like my job work, because I'm really interested in my job right now. And, um, you know, it's a mix of typical product manager stuff and really focused creative output in order to kick off a discussion with pictures and words. And so I've been 
doing a lot of that mode in these sort of protected times, one of which is early morning. But it's so frustrating to me that I can't do it every day. Um, and so I've dreamed occasionally of having, uh, you know, either a very regular morning schedule that involves waking up really early, but then dedicating that early morning time to different things, depending on the day of the week, um, to just like being really extreme one day a week and then, uh, sort of recovering from it the rest of the week. But the real truth is that my body seems to demand a certain amount of sleep and, uh, you know, despite my best intentions, I can only wake up really early so off every so often. So this has been a recurring topic because it often comes up when I talk about writing as well, because I always have this belief that mornings are when I'll write. Um, but yeah, should we have schedules and uh, should we be flexible about those schedules and should we or should we not schedule our weekends? Diana, should we have routines? I really want to start with that question because I feel like this has been an episode of defining and redefining and unpacking words. And uh, optimize is one of those words that, as you noted, I, I really had kind of a negative response to early in the episode and then later on a different day I I just use it naturally to describe um, the the course of my, the shape of my day and and it has a really uh, positive connotation in that context so when it comes to routine I also have a negative response to that word but the word I like instead is ritual I think probably we're going to have to devote another episode, maybe many episodes, to the idea of ritual, and we've talked about it a little bit before. But to me, routine is kind of the things you do over and over again, sort of by accident. For example, I leave the house every day at 8.12, actually because it is the very last second when I can leave and not end up being late. That probably is not my ideal. Uh, if I were to create an ideal morning ritual, it would allow me a little bit more time to leave the house and not be in a mad dash. So I, in, in terms of routines, as I would define them, uh, I, I think, you know, it's natural that we accumulate routines and it's good to question them. And should we let things just become routine? Maybe not. Maybe we should, you know, as things become routine, take a look at them and, and try to create a ritual out of them. Um, the other reason I want to take this little detour to talk about ritual is because I'm speaking to you from the day after my husband's PhD graduation. And I love graduations. I love weddings. I love any kind of extravagant, crazy, out-of-the-ordinary ritual. 
I really think of rituals as falling into two categories. One is is everyday rituals where you take something that you do all the time and you really elevate it to something almost sacred by designing it by like for example you know maybe you wash your face every day but then as we've talked about before you know if you really put a lot of thought into how you're doing it and what it is that you want to put on your face and you really enjoy the scents and the the process um then then it's really something different something beautiful that you do with purpose every day and then the other category of rituals I think about are those ones that happen once in a lifetime or, you know, it's, it's just very special and everything about it is not like your everyday. You wear things that you wouldn't wear any other time. You do things that you wouldn't do any other time. You say things that are really particular to the occasion. So with graduation, I was just really touched by the language of some of the ceremony is very archaic. Um, even some of the ceremony uh, was spoken in different languages, and uh, it gives you it gave me a lot of perspective. It really kind of takes you out of your r- routines. And uh, it's especially interesting experiencing one of these things in community with like, there were, I think, 13,000 other people there, you know, many of them graduates or, or uh, families and friends of graduates. And there's something so beautiful about bringing all of these people together in one place at this appointed time to participate in something so crazy like wearing these weird robes and carrying um there were there were flags for each department and it's just very unusual in a good way and and some of the the speeches and everything they really make you think about the legacy that you want to leave so I really love that sort of thing, um, but I also really love um, everyday rituals, as we've talked about so much. And one of the last things you asked was, uh, should we have schedules, and um, should we schedule our creativity? So I have to say that I am really a scheduler. I schedule everything everything. If it's not on my calendar, like, I won't do it. Also, I just make so many lists. If I don't write it down, I, I won't remember. Um, so I, I would say that for me, I should have a schedule and I should schedule my creativity and even schedule unstructured time. We have recorded this episode over the course of about a week during which both of us traveled to the East Coast and back, and uh, had a lot of different threads on our minds, Um, and changed our minds on a few things, or went back and forth, like optimize or don't optimize, vacation or don't vacation, define or uh, let it be loose. And, you know, all of these tensions feel really fundamental to 
each of us individually and also to um, our friendship. You know, I think that we each have a similar struggle with each of the things we've discussed today. And it's that struggle held in tension that, um, that brings vividness to our lives um, and creates like the playful... Uh, the playful tensions that make us who we are. Like, um, should we be perfectionists? Probably not. <laughs> but should we, should we be attentive to detail without somehow demanding a specific result? Yeah. Should we go on vacation? Um, should we go on vacation uh, without, without stress? Yes, but what are the necessary conditions for relaxing? <laughs> and likewise with ritual versus routine, what are the necessary conditions for peace versus uh, boredom? You know, what's the difference between peace and boredom even? And I enact a bunch of these tensions on something as basic as my to-do list. Like, I have my to-do list organized into all of these outcomes. And one of the outcomes is uh, create a peaceful apartment, you know. Um, and to me, that outcome, and it has like a lot of subtasks, right? But the outcome is supposed to make me feel happy and excited when I look at all of these tasks because I know what it's all building toward. I know what the purpose is. And, um, you know, for me, peace means everything in its right place, but also not static. <laughs> and that's really, that's the pain here, but also the glory is that uh, if things are in motion, they can't be static and they can't be ideal. But if you develop a process uh, that's repeatable and can accept a lot of different inputs. Now I'm really going full supply chain management, um, assembly line language here, but it's like if you can create a process that can accept a variety of inputs and still lead to a, um, a result that is has the capacity to be surprising but also um holds some holds some truths to be indivisible um that really seems like the goal and this is getting really abstract but i think that this conversation uh as we return to its themes will set up a lot of our future conversations because i know it's uh it's showing me that a lot of the tensions in my life are actually one tension, and that's between optimization and dynamism. So stay tuned.